In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, here with the 111th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. I'm here at the convention center here in Indianapolis at the Combine, and uh, today we talk to Coach Dan Quinn and General Manager Thomas Dimitrov have several stories posted up on AJC.com. But today here on the podcast, we're going to hear from both of them. going to tell you who's staying and who's going in free agency. Uh, we have a poll on who the Falcons should draft. TD from the Combine, DQ from the Combine, and then we're going to wrap up with a big interview we got coming up about uh, one of the Georgia Bulldogs and his preparations here for the Combine. Uh, Let's go through the uh, list of who's staying and who's going. Uh, That's online. It's a... um, Story with Tevin Coleman. Uh, the Falcons are holding out hope that he will return. Uh, that's not likely uh, given the free agent market, but they're holding out hope. They said that uh, Edo Smith won't be given the backup job. No big competition coming in for him uh, to get that job behind Freeman. Andy Levitre and uh, Ben Garland, some of the linemen, Zane Beatles will not be back. Long snapper uh, Joe Kondo will not be back. Defensive tackle Terrell McClain uh, will not be back. And uh, the Falcons are still trying to work out deals with uh, Matt Schaub, uh, Justin Bethel, the special teams maven, receivers Justin Hardy, and Marvin Hall. So those are where the uh, Falcons are at heading into free agency, which starts on March the 13th. Of course, Grady Jarrett, uh, you know, they're going to keep working on a deal towards signing him. But if they can't do it, they said they will use the franchise tag. Uh, heading up here, we did a poll. We wanted to see who the Falcons uh, should draft from the five players we had on the radar screen. We could only put four in the Twitter poll, and we thank you all for voting. We had over 500 uh, votes there. And overwhelming 52% winner was Houston defensive tackle Ed Oliver. He's the choice of the people. The fans uh, went second with... Dexter Lawrence, the big, big tackle, 6'4", 340 from Clemson. Uh, he looked awesome right next to Grady Jarrett. Uh, third, 16% was Alabama guard. We're putting him at a guard. Jonah Williams played left, left tackle for the Crimson Tide. And then 16, uh, 13%, DeAndre Baker, the cornerback from Georgia. And the uh, fifth one was Cleveland Farrell. We couldn't put him in there. The uh, defensive tackle, or defensive end, I'm sorry, from Clemson. 
So Ed Oliver is the guy. If he runs a four or five, though, he's going to move way up, and nobody. Uh, the comparisons to Aaron Donald are there for him, and he won't be uh, around at fourteen, even though he's projecting there right now in several mock drafts. So let's go on here to to the uh, uh, you know interview with Thomas Dimitrov. We were talking about linemen, and he got pretty animated there uh, with uh, with his uh, comments. So let's go to that right now. I just do not want to get away from the importance of where we are with the draft. And, and the great thing is we have a head coach who 100% believes in, in developing these guys. And, and he's not just going to put them on the bench until the sixth game. If they're ready to go, you know, hopefully he'll put them, he'll put them out to the beginning of training camp. Like that is a really, really important thing for this organization. He knows it. I know it as we're going in because, as we mentioned in there earlier, there's a lot of money in this roster. We have to be really strategic how we get everyone on the field that we want to get on the field. And that, to me, takes a lot of time and effort on the college side so that we can, of course, pay people at good values. And when their time comes, hopefully pay them and keep them around, of course. An offensive line, how tough is it scouting them? We saw Quentin uh, Nelson and Ramchek come in and play. But uh, for, you know, uh, are they exceptions or, or, you know, how difficult is it scouting and developing offensive linemen nowadays? I know that's a position that you like. And honestly... told me he, he said it's number one priority. No, so I got to go, you know, go with that. You've always been there, man. I've been seeing you every year. You've been hanging out there. If you could get closer, I know you would. I know that. And sometimes I even think you're going to try to put something else on maybe our, our ballpark here and try to even get closer. Yeah, you got to watch the line. you got to watch the line. No, I agree with that. And contrary to what people think, like it's a really important part of my world, and I understand that, so especially when you acquire a guy like Matt Ryan and you need to continue to build around him and make sure that the pocket is fortified, no question about it. This was a tough year for us, of course. Um, we know that we need to continue to fortify, whether it's in the draft or whether it's in free agency, yes, it's important. You know, like Dan had mentioned, you know, Jake did a heck of a job and Alex did a heck of a job. We have other positions on that on that offensive line that we need to really hone in on. There's going to be a lot of competition across the O-line. Back to your point, collegiately, guys coming out in the draft, yeah, there's a long way to go. I mean, and we have different work rules now. Now, right? Let's call it the way it is. It's not like it was back in 10, 9, 8, 7. You have to be really honed in on, I believe, as a team, as a head coach, as an offensive line coach, to be willing to train those guys, develop them, and get them on the field and understand they're going to have their hard knocks. But the way that they're going to continue to improve and expeditiously improve is by being on the field. You can't just tuck them away for a year, maybe like in the past. That's not how it works right now in my mind. So I love the fact, again, that we are open to playing those young guys. Uh, we think there's some really, you know, uh, legitimate individuals, both in free agency and in the draft. So we'll see where we go. All right, that's uh, the Thomas Dimitrov, the team's general manager. Uh, you know, the the line is a problem. They uh, they were touting the signing of Sambrillo. They like his versatility, uh, but they still have to find a guard. Uh, Brandon Fusco is uh, has a broken ankle, and uh, sounds like he's going to return by the. Uh, by the start of training camp, they they're gonna they're shooting for training camp for a lot of these guys, uh, and he's one of the guys that they are shooting for for training camp. So let's go on to Coach Quinn here. He's making his opening remarks. Then I get in another offensive line question. It's going to not be the sexiest uh, offseason, but if they don't fix the offensive line, they're not going to improve from seven and nine.
about that, and I said, uh, let's make sure that we make the lessons matter. And I wanted to use the examples of inconsistency uh, for us. Some people may lean in on uh, last year with us with injuries. Uh, I would choose to lean in on inconsistencies. And uh, I had a good story uh, postseason that I'd like to share with you about uh, Devondre Campbell, a linebacker with us. And so it was his first time. Um, not being in the postseason, you know, kind of early in his NFL career. And he had said, man, this sucks. And I said, uh, yeah, it does. So he said, we're a better team than, you know, the team that was playing that particular day. And I said, uh, I got to stop you there, not this year. And uh, he was like, you're right. And so when I say, how do you make the lessons matter to me is how do we make sure we're more consistent? How do we make sure that those things we talked about as a standard, as a group together, the leadership, uh, how do we make those lessons matter? So um, as we're heading into today and into the combine, uh, you know, there's kind of the you know, the excitement that goes along with that. For me, I enjoy the night interviews uh, as much as any part of this and having connections uh, with the players and the interactions each night with them. It's uh, certainly some of my best memories from the Combine are those interactions with the guys. So um, just want to hit you up on that. We've got, uh, you know, added an excellent staff, uh, some guys to what I would consider an excellent staff. And uh, I'm looking forward with you know, getting started back with the guys. It's not going to be for a while, but uh, I would say we'll have an edgy team and uh, certainly with some guys uh, with things to prove. And uh, I certainly love that. So um, glad to open up to you guys with some questions. Uh, we're excited to be here in the Combine and uh, excited I've been in a while to get started. Coach, yeah, Coach, the um, uh, offensive line group, what are some of the issues with evaluating them when a lot of the linemen now in college don't even put their hands in the ground? Yeah, it's a great question, Leighton. Um, one that we've been asked a lot. I, I kind of go into what I would say, uh, what makes it difficult at times. Um, in college, you know, they're playing against other defensive linemen, you know, maybe similar size and strength. Uh, and you'll see the people that are playing in the NFL. Uh, there's some freaky, either fast or strong or explosive. And so you had better be able to match up with these guys from a strength and athletic ability standpoint. So for those guys, you know, it's a small group that can handle that job, who's got the strength to match up against a 340-pound defensive tackle who's coming to, you know, knock your chin off. And so you better have enough strength to do that. You better have enough athleticism uh, to go block the speed of some of these guys that, that you're going to see run this week. So having that balance of strength and athleticism at offensive line, uh, I think that's a real um, you know, difficult task to see from the college side you're comparing them against the nfl players and so quite often the guy who's a really good college offensive or defensive lineman good technique but maybe lacks either the, the length arm length or bulk or size or athleticism to block certain players uh that's what makes it challenging um it's a pretty cool uh challenge to take on uh and i think at that position there's some development that goes along with it coach what did you see out of uh, there's Coach Dan Quinn there with us today at the podium. Uh, we've got a lot of quotes from him in the cover nine at nine. He went on to talk uh, uh, to the local reporters behind uh, the curtain there, and uh, you know, put I put most of that up online this morning in the cover nine at Blogger this afternoon. Uh, the big thing there was him talking about Vic Beasley and the fact that uh, you know they're going to put a light a fire under him. Basically, they're going to. Uh, stop working the way they 
have been working uh, because, uh, uh, you know, we said, hey, you don't want to get to do the same thing and keep getting the same results. So uh, they're going to ramp things up for Vic and uh, see if he can turn in another year like he had uh, in 2016 when he had the 15 sacks. So that was a big thing that coach said at the podium today too and uh we got a little bit more here from the general manager thomas dimitroff on the grady jarrett contract situation i mean there, there are so many ways to be creative um so you know whether you know myself and, and ultimately todd france and caa can come to an agreement uh or not i'm not going to get into specifics about it but of, of course that is an, an option our focus right now is to continue the discussions and see where we go and and hopefully we continue to move along well again grady's a very important part to our football team and it's important that he's back Thomas, going back to Brian. They're playing at the same schools, but uh, you see any of Deion uh, Jones and a guy like Devin White uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, Deion's obviously a very important part to us, to us in our program. His athleticism, explosiveness, his speed, his awareness, and obviously that's that's similar to um, the other people that are coming out of LSU. Thomas, going back to Brian. I'm sorry, going back to Brian real quickly. How crazy is it to think that people? Well, we, we see it happening now, right? The really good football people in this league rise to the top, and it's not necessarily, they're not necessarily waiting until they're 45 years old. They can, they can obviously do some of them at 31, 32, 33. Um, but I, th- I think Brian, again, he showed from the very beginning, and you look all the way back, not only as, you know, with his time at New England as a young personnel person, uh, but also coming through, you know, the ranks, and you look back into his background at Boston College, and he was always one of those guys that was striving and, and achieving and going for it, and, and I mean that in a cliche way, he was, he was just pushing himself, and it was very apparent. Those- that's General Manager Thomas Dimitrov. He went into some uh, issues when he was talking about it. He was talking about the franchise tag being placed on Grady Jarrett if they can't work a deal with CAA and Agent Todd France. He also talked about LSU linebacker Devin White and compared him to Deion Jones. And lastly, that when he's talking about Brian, that was Brian Flores, who worked uh, in New England, worked his way up from basically being a coffee uh, fetcher to now head coach of the Miami Dolphins. And then lastly, uh, the players are going to start coming through uh, the media room tomorrow, and then they'll start working out on Fridays. Uh, good buzz is being created up here by the nine UGA players. Uh, a lot of folks want to see how fast Elijah Holofield runs and his 40-yard dash, and uh, he's been working out with Christian Coleman. They worked out together uh, back at Woodward Academy in Atlanta, and then uh, up in Gwinnett, I believe at GATA, but I know I talked to Christian today, so I had an interview uh, uh, with him about the Holyfield story, and we'll talk to uh, Holyfield tomorrow and uh, talk about his speed and how he plans to run pretty fast here at the Combine and improve his draft status also DeAndre Baker's got a good buzz going about him and Miko Hartman the returner 
kickoff returner, punt returner, wide receiver, tough kid, can do it all. Uh, a lot of teams are, well, I know the Falcons are got their eye on him. Uh, we talked to uh, Coach Dan about that, and those were uh, the three guys that I'm trying to get a lot of evaluations on. And he also, of course, brought up Jonathan Letbetter, the defensive end, fine defensive end from Tucker. Uh, not related to him, but he's a fine uh, player. Fine story there, too, uh, for him. You know, had a little trouble at Georgia, but then he straightened things out. And I know uh, some of the uh, the Valters, uh, Jonathan Falters, who coached over in Tucker, uh, I believe he's a good friend of theirs. And his son, James, has uh, been signed by the Chicago Bears. He uh, uh, didn't make it right away, went to Canada, and he's on the 90-man roster with the Bears. So congratulations to Walters. You've seen us uh, blog about him and follow his career out at Stanford. He's still grinding, trying to give the NFL a chance. So with that, we're going to wrap it up here from the uh, Indiana Convention Center with the 111th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. You all take care and uh, go to AJC.com often for our coverage throughout the rest of the week. And we'll have uh, Mike Griffith coming to town for Dog Nation. He'll be posting most of the Georgia stuff, and we'll uh, combine on some of the Georgia uh, uh, stand-up videos at the end of the day. So uh, we'll make sure you have the link for those, too. Take care and have a great rest of the week. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.